Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah. Mr. Honline, happy Hanukkah and welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, happy Hanukkah. Always good to be with you, especially this week. Hope you've been enjoying all the uh, accoutrements of the holiday, all the delicious treats and the dreidel playing and all the other ways that we occupy our time during the holiday. I have, and hope to do <laughs> more yet. Just getting into training here. We would like to see, actually, a, a dreidel game that pits you against some other leaders in the Jewish community. That would be very interesting. Yeah, well, there's a lot of them are trying to spin us. Believe, so unusual. believe you me, we pay careful attention to your strategy. That I can guarantee you. Uh, all right, not too late to thank President Trump. Uh, we spent a lot of time on this last week. Obviously, we won't this week, but those who have not yet Those who have a desire, and in this audience, I bet you there are a lot of people with a desire, to thank President Trump for the new U.S. policy regarding Jerusalem as the recognized capital of the state of Israel. Not too late to contact the White House using the comment line, uh, the actual address, and of course their email, uh, whitehouse.gov, as we've been pointing out, has all the information. Plus, many of you have utilized the Conference of Presidents uh, action on this, uh, recommended action on this uh, topic. So not too late, and uh, and Malcolm, uh, you certainly would say better late than never. You're the one who's always uh, uh, at the other end of the complaints when there isn't enough mail, when there isn't enough reaction about announcements like this. So never too late for people to uh, get those thank yous out there. And for the many rabbis who listen, they should um, announce it from the pulpit, encourage their people to write, to let the White House hear. You see all the critics now and all the second-guessers and people being heard, um, and it's just uh, the media distortions because of the meeting that took place at the, in Turkey this week and some of the other things that, that uh, have happened, um, trying to, to really distort and misrepresent what, what was done and uh, turning a, a positive gesture into, into a negative uh, as if this somehow is stopping a, an ongoing peace process. I don't know where anybody's been living, where they've seen it, uh, and, and, and have seen the, the rejectionism by the Palestinian Authority all along and the comments that uh, Mr. Abbas made in, in uh, Turkey, I think, underscore uh, the reasons why, the, the, the concerns and, and the need to make make it clear, and, and not just to the president, but also to the media and other, any way that people can, about the facts of the situation and the, and the his uh, references to the Muslim and Christian uh, history and, and essentially dismissing and debunking Jewish history and Jewish connection to Jerusalem in its totality. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, we're gonna we'll, we'll get to we will get to the New York bombing in a minute. There there are topics of the day that um, uh, we must address, but you, uh, you're staying with this, and there's so many questions about it. Number one. Uh, the violence that was guaranteed, maybe some would even say promised, post the announcement. Have we seen the days of rage in the way that they were threatened last week? Well, we'll see what happens today. It's again another Friday prayer, but uh, clearly uh, the numbers are much smaller than, than anticipated. The, uh, quote, street, unquote, reaction is uh, muted compared to what was anticipated and what has been stoked um, it has not yielded the kind of reaction. I think people, that there is a clear fatigue, not only a part of the leadership and the fact that uh, quite a few leaders didn't show up at the meeting in Turkey and that you have the, the divides within the 
the Arab communities or the uh, Muslim communities, because Turkey is not an Arab state, um, that the the um, uh, analysis by most of the people who have been honest enough about it shows that you have not had the kind of, of reaction for one thing. You know, people are just tired of it. And then I think for a second, most of the people realize that this is not the kind of, of dramatic change or, or any change actually on the ground that uh, that would really evoke the reaction that you sometimes got when it's, they said Al-Aqsa is under siege. And we know that the incitement is there. We know that they're trying to to get people to, to react uh, more and more. But um, I think that the, the efforts by governments in most cases was to keep it just to, to, to express themselves against the, to to do the required uh, condemnations, but not to go beyond that. Um, it, well, and it's not just the Arab states, and it's not just those who host you know OIC meetings that are that are <laughs> declaring this and, mm-hmm. and and claiming it. I mean, we see the EU, and by the way, when BB, when the Prime Minister of Israel um, releases a statement saying that that he thought or he was encouraged or he hoped that the EU would follow the U.S. lead on this and recognize Jerusalem or at least acknowledge uh, the positive aspect of what the U.S. had done regarding the Jerusalem policy. Was he being serious? Was that was that playing the media? Was that playing the EU? What what, what was that when he went ahead and, uh, and made that public statement? No, I think he was being serious. He had been invited to meet the foreign ministers uh, of the European Union. He made his views very clear. You know, he's not the most popular uh, personality perhaps with them, but I think he was he was putting down the markers and the reaction, expressing his anger at their reaction, uh, which is outrageous. That the 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 right of a democratic country to determine its capital it didn't preclude any other option or any of the options that people are discussing for for the outcome of talks, which are are not ongoing anyway. And now the PA says they won't talk to anybody to the U.S. They want the Europeans. They want the UN. And the Europeans are saying we're not going to take on this peace process. People are tired of it. They've invested so much, and they know that each time at the end the, the PA walked away from it. Abbas, Arafat first, and then Abbas, uh, and that the the um, the comments that Margarino, who is trying to, and, and gives the appearance that they're trying to stoke violence and want to have a, a more intense reaction, and certainly uh, trying to keep uh, countries from uh, talking about moving their embassies, the Czech Republic has said so. Others uh, have indicated that they would be open to it, and she is working to to uh, stop any kind of movement of that kind. Yeah, well, I would expect that. I don't know. I thought the I, 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 it's very possible. It's very possible that as sincere as he was, the prime minister, in his desire for the EU to follow the United States' lead, it's still very possible in the back of his mind he knew there wasn't a chance he'd ever do it. No, he, he, of course he knew. And he, he, I think he's putting down, as I said, he puts down right. markers. He, he, right. he said, this is what you should be doing. I think he still hopes that maybe one or two would break and do it. But, you know, these countries are looking at realities themselves. Uh, the, the, I saw the, a report from Germany that uh, there are now 11,000 Salafists, you know, this, the extremist Islamists in, in Turkey versus uh, less than 10,000 at this time last year. And the growth within the, the most of the countries of Europe of, of extremist movements, we've seen it man- the manifestations in terms of, uh, you know, of some of the events that have taken place, that the, the terrible attacks that have taken place, uh, and the the uh, and on the other hand, the attacks in countries like Sweden, 
And uh, the, the, while the president reacted strongly, finally, the fact is that these things have been ongoing. And we have not seen the kind of, of uh, reaction and, and sustained action that uh, one would have uh, hoped right. for. Right. So I think Netanyahu went there to deliver a strong message and the, to, to counter any effort to try and create an alternative path, uh, uh, way, meaning going to the UN or, or any kind of initiative on the part of the Europeans. And it seems to me pretty clear that they're not, the Europeans have no interest in going that direction. You know what's funny, by the way, as we speak on an Arab Shabbos Hanukkah, and someone pointed this out, I don't remember where I read it. You know what's funny? As mayors and governors and prime ministers and foreign ministers are gathering and acknowledging the lighting of the Hanukkah in whatever city, state, or country they may be in, and we know it's around the world, kudos to Chabad and others, right? Mostly Chabad. As they're doing this, they are essentially participating in a ceremony that essentially, historically, reminds the world that Jerusalem's the capital of Israel. You know, and it's interesting that I, I, I told this to the New York Times, and they called me several times, and, and I kept reiterating that the coincidence of this coming right before the holiday that marks the reassertion of Jewish sovereignty over Jerusalem. But what they change it to is the rededication of the temple. Right. And there's a, a significant difference, and I can't believe that it's just coincidental or, you know, some editorial uh, slip, that the, this coincidence, the message of, of Hanukkah, and what it, what it really means <coughs> is too often lost on our own people, but certainly the refusal to acknowledge it and, and the uh, history and the connection and to, to not react to, to a speech by Abbas denying all of this connection, trying, if it had been done in the reverse, there would have been an outcry, as you can be sure. And the references to Haibar and to, you know, Haibar, Haibar, which is when the, when, um, the, um, when Muhammad supposedly, um, uh, you know, destroyed, when he, he, he came back and destroyed the Jewish tribes in Saudi Arabia, in, in Haibar. I mean, these, these, this is a, a reference with a clear message and yet you don't see the condemnation for it and, and the, uh, you know, the fact that they're snubbing Pence, uh, Vice President Pence, who's, who's now postponed his trip because of the tax vote. Uh, his, vote his visit to Israel, I think, will take place probably midweek uh, this week. Um, and yet, on the other hand, a delegation from Bahrain shows up in Israel of, of religious leaders uh, ongoing contacts between Egypt, all these other countries in Israel is, is happening. I think King Abdullah went, made a, uh, an overly strong statement uh, beyond what, what is necessary. Uh, and yet the, the ongoing connections and contacts and, uh, are happening. You know that the uh, discovery of the tunnel this week in Gaza Yeah. Uh, you know, they found it because they, they use this hydro drill machine. This is a massive thing that destroys anything that comes in its path, which is, is provided by Germany. They bought it from Germany, and it releases um, a, a chemical that binds with water, and then when it, when it binds, it hits something like this, it leaks the chemical that fills the tunnels and uh, seals them. 
and in fact, destroys everything inside. And these tunnels are very sophisticated. As you know, we've talked about it in the past. They have communication systems. They have telephones. They have all sorts of stuff. And the, the massive amount of cement that had to be diverted uh, for it, it gets very little attention. But, you know, Germany uh, sells, sold this uh, machine to, to Israel, and now it's proving to be a, a life-saving machine because it, it helps them as they're putting up the uh, fence, underground fence and uh, detectors. Uh, this, this tunnel was beyond uh, where Israel has constructed so far. So, so many things are going on between the European countries and Israel. There's so much joint research, medical, high-tech, other, other things that are going on um, that that never gets a positive message. Nobody reports on it. Nobody makes a headline out of it. But that's the real story to me. Yeah, pretty amazing. And I, I, I'm still focusing on the uh, on the incredible point you've made of uh, the media. Um, with its Jerusalem versus Temple observation when it comes to this holiday. It's really, it's something we have to keep in mind. These nuances are so vital, so important, as you mentioned, likely not a coincidence. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, let, let me break for a second just to acknowledge the passing of Ray Steinman. And I, I mentioned it, especially in... Uh, in this conversation, obviously, we mentioned it and spoke about it um, the morning after it happened. But um, uh, you had pointed out to us on more than one occasion uh, that while sometimes we cringe when 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 there are extreme statements and positions taken uh, in 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 uh, certain circumstances by our leaders, rabbinic and otherwise, uh, you had always described Rabbi Steinman as being just the opposite and uh, finding him uh, a pleasure to meet with and discuss issues with. So I thought you'd want to mention that this morning. I would welcome any opportunity to talk about him. He, uh, I had the sort of privilege of seeing him again on Sukkot with my grandchildren and some of my children, and he received each one. He shook hands, even though it was difficult for him to talk, but he re- responded to everything. And I, I, I saw him uh, a few months earlier when he was completely able to, and, and he would ask me questions in early years about you know the issues, very important issues, things that were going on, and Sometimes he would make uh, very humorous, humorous remarks, and and his views, you know, the, the media and, and others portray even somebody like him. And and I can tell you from the things he told me, and uh, hearing him respond to uh, certain assertions by people who who came to visit him, that uh, his views were quite different. It was very realistic and and supportive, and he called uh, uh, Israel Medina Shal Hasid because of all the guys who are learning there. Right. He was, uh, uh, I only wish everybody would have had the chance just to, to bask in the radiance that he was a, such a, Ish Kadosh, such a holy man. He ate almost nothing. He, he, he lived in the most humble, it's beyond humble, I can't even describe how how stark his living conditions were. He had the same furniture as he had, I think, 50 or 70 years ago when he got married. And um, it's a big loss for everyone, I think. Appreciate that. And um, and uh, we acknowledge, of course, his passing and the impact and the incredible size of the funeral uh, in Israel. Um, that was uh, done rather quickly and yet attracted such a massive crowd, probably a record-breaking crowd in Israel. 
Um, all right, let's talk about New York. Uh, you know what happened this week? <laughs> Speaking of the New York Times, by the way, I was so so frustrated. I I should just I should just stop looking at the paper because I was so frustrated. There was zero reference in the headline or what we would call, I guess, the subheadline uh, uh, to the intent or to the background of this uh, potential murderer. Uh, pipe bomb strapped himself as a suicide bomber does uh, this time underground near Times Square Port Authority. Uh, what do we know about his background, and are we getting more and more concerned that uh, even the NYPD may have trouble stopping guys like this? Well, the NYPD does a great job in counterterrorism. They have uh, devoted immense amount of resources to it. They're the model in the world in this regard. But, you know, in a city of so many millions of people, with uh, you know, it's impossible to keep track unless... They have some involvement on the Internet or in other ways in a mosque or somebody, a family member, a friend turns him in or alerts the police to be aware of, of this. People said he was a brooder and, um, you know, he'd walk around. He was an angry young man, but nobody seemed to indicate that they anticipated him carrying out the, this kind of attack. He, he had very crude uh, weapons. And it, it doesn't seem that he was associated with any uh, particular movement, but certainly the you're right that it raises the flag that it can happen anywhere, and it's it's happening everywhere. Is it proper or accurate to call him, as some newspapers and media sources did, ISIS inspired? Do we have evidence that he was ISIS inspired? Well, there is a, that he listened to certain tapes or speeches and. Uh, himself made some reference to the to the, and he wrote notes also including in his passport about american dying and um there was a reference to uh him listening to isis tapes and, and speeches which again underscores why the internet can be such a dangerous vehicle for groups like isis who are able to use the dark internet to convey their messages and and very little that you can do to really uncover all these things until they actually uh, appear and, and then try to, to close that one. And then they open up uh, five more sites. We got very lucky here in New York this week. We know the uh, potential damage that could have been caused, especially in the place where he, uh, you know, wanted to detonate the pipe off. And it went off prematurely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that he, he was burnt. Um, and that, I mean, it could have been so much worse. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, uh, and if he was not a lone wolf, if he was, you know, what we call a lone wolf, I assume that, as they usually do, some group would have proudly uh, taken credit for the attack, correct? They they would have, and yeah. I don't know that, they, you know, they still won't or somebody right. won't That's say true. that there's some connection, but no indication yet that, that he's really a, a, a part of an organized effort, although he may have been influenced by it. And and the, the, um, uh, the references to, to the... Um, uh, ISIS thing is this guy Ula told investigators that the bomb was in retaliation for the airstrikes against the ISIS targets in Syria and elsewhere. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm saying that he himself right. made that reference. Correct. So that's why it gets picked up, I think. Um, Saab Arakat is being taken care of in an Israeli hospital? Yes. That wasn't a joke article that I saw. <laughs> no, no, that's... I mean... I, I mean, if I'd ask you to explain, you'd say, yeah, because the best medical care is in a hospital in Israel. I understand that. But I mean, you know, I guess this is one way of declaring he's not a man of principle, huh? <laughs> I, mean, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, I'm not blaming the Israelis. I just don't, I, I don't get it. How do, how do they in PA leadership even have the, the thought of, of, uh, of um, you know, getting treatment there? 
We saw pictures this week of Palestinian Red Crescent ambulances uh, dropping off rioters at a demonstration in Ramallah on Monday. And, you know, we know from the past that they have used Red Crescent, Red, the, the equivalent of Palestinian Red Cross, um, and uh, under the guise of seeking medical treatment, in fact, carrying terrorists and, and people around in the past and seeing again now. And that the PA often charges people to, to get on the queue to go to Israel for treatment. And you never see the pictures of the Palestinians going from the West Bank and Gaza into Israel for treatment, including members of the leadership of of Hamas's families. Um, and uh, I have cited this many times. Yeah. Um, and, and yet Israel and Israelis line up on the border to take them to the hospitals and bring them back. They're called, uh, there's an organization, Road to Recovery, I think it's called, and there are 500 people who volunteered to do this. And, and yet that story is never told. And the, the benefits that, that derive to, to Palestinians and the life-saving operations and, and, and uh, treatments that they get, uh, and yet we know that even in cases, some of the people being treated and whose lives were saved came back as suicide bombers. Unbelievable. Um, this Sunday night, I was at the FIDF New Jersey dinner. Mm-hmm. Two speakers, two speakers. One, an Israeli soldier, Duvdavan, uh, dresses up as an Arab and, you know, goes and uh, and captures those who need to be captured. And the second one, a 21-year-old female soldier who is on the border uh, with Syria. And every night, she and others go to the Syrian border to bring in Syrian children who need medical treatment because of the bombings at the Syrian border. And I'm like, you know, if that doesn't just tell the entire story, and if only the world would recognize it. And 4,000 Syrians have been treated in Israel. 4,000. I went up there in the middle of the night, in the freezing cold, to see it, to witness it. To, to, and, and until you see the actual operation, when you see these young men and women taking the bringing children, from, uh, Syrian children and adults, and in one of the ambulances there were four hulking guys who had been treated in Israel. And when the ambulance uh, arrived and, and took them back to the border for them to go back to Syria, I asked the captain when I saw them come out and they were helping them. Uh, aren't you concerned that these guys will one day turn around and, and and fight Israel? And he said, very likely, but that's what Jews do. <laughs> Unbelievable. Talk about a light to the nations, huh? Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I didn't ask you about the UN last Friday, speaking of the nations. Uh, one week ago, uh, after the um, uh, announcement by President Trump, the UN gathered, uh, aside from, you know, a resolution condemning the act by the president of the United States, anything else out of the ordinary happen, or is it what we would call a regular anti-Israel resolution? No, it's a normal course of events. And uh, I have to say, we have to credit Nikki Haley again in her speech yesterday and um, to two speeches, one showing the rockets that Hamas supplied to, to uh, the Houthis in Yemen, which is a violation of the security council, but also her lecturing them, uh, and saying that uh, the United States doesn't need lectures from uh, the people in the UN who, who uh, condemn and who, who railed against the, the U.S. decision, which was a, a positive move. And she, uh, I think, put the message very clearly and straightforward. We know that, that Abbas is talking about resorting to the U.N. again to bypass negotiations 
to have them designate uh, to to rescind the, the U.S. measure, which obviously the U.N. can't do, but also designate the state of Palestine again. He wants them to do it, or it'll go to the international court and to uh, to designate Jerusalem as capital of of Palestine. And if you notice in his comments, he only he completely again denies the Jewish connection to Jerusalem. And uh, it resorts to it because this way you don't have to, he, he doesn't have to make any concessions. It's the same pattern of all the years where he has avoided any uh, opportunity to, to negotiate and to sit down, which would have taken care of a lot of these issues. Yeah. And I think that's, that goes back to your first question about why uh, there's been a muted reaction. I think people have looked at all this and are just tired of it. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, tell me about the Putin trip this week. It's funny, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, you had outlined for us uh, the influence that he and Russia are trying to have in so many other countries. Now he's actually visiting them and you know and showing everybody what he's trying to do. I think that uh, it, it, it shows the centrality of the role that Russia has um, is playing and the position that he has successfully asserted with a minimal investment, with a minimal uh, troops on the ground, and now announcing again a withdrawal from Syria. Uh, then, as I reported, his, his, uh, the new base he's building in the Sudan, he has now permanent bases in Syria. He's achieved uh, a lot of what he wants in the region in terms of being able to create a, a permanent uh, footprint uh, in the region. Uh, whether his interests and those of Iran will eventually clash, we'll have to see. But he, he for now, is is playing a critical role. And the fact that um, it's Iran, Turkey, and Russia working together to carve up the Middle East uh, without the U.S. The U.S. Is, is maintaining its presence in Syria, as they announced, and uh, trying to play a constructive role. But the the fact is that Russia has, has teamed up with these uh, other countries who are not playing positive roles. And um, uh, his visit, and, and uh, there are stories which do not appear to be true, is the story of the that came out of Russia, that they, they have an agreement to use Egyptian uh, bases for their aircraft, and that appears not to be, in fact, true. There was a, uh, the United States accused Iran of, um, of violations in the last 48 hours, but doesn't have enough proof to, to bring it forward, to prove it? Is that, is that the way? There's so much proof about all the violations that go on in Iran. The, the, the issues this week was one is that they, they passed the deadline for renewal of the sanctions, so we're going to have to have a new, um, uh, sanctions base. They are also in demands on Syria about their permanent base and uh, territory and a 50-year lease that they want, and the Syrians seem to be reluctant to to to, um, to give it. Um, and we saw them, of course, being very vocal and, and threatening at um, at the conference in Turkey, at the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, uh, meeting that was convened by um um, Erdogan, but it's interesting to note that uh, the king of Saudi Arabia, the leaders of UAE, Egypt, others did not attend, which again shows and highlights the divide that exists today in in, in the, the region. Yeah, uh, Taylor Force passed the House. Is this uh, is this going to have practical implications? I mean, is it easy or difficult to uh, uh, control? Um, or to act or react in terms of um, you know when when the PA is uh, the funding families of uh, terrorists. 
it, 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 well, it only passed the House. It has to pass the Senate for it to become law. Why did I think this had gone through the Senate already? No, it's been debated, but it has not. And Maybe I don't went know that they're going to make it this year, but certainly they'll do it in the beginning of 2018. Um, and the so it, it doesn't have the force of law yet. The message is very clear, and the support is was overwhelming, but it has, the Senate has not acted on it. Is it possible it went through committee in the Senate or something? The House committees. Uh, and the Senate it began the debate and discussion or at least discussion. I don't think they have uh, had a formal debate on it yet. Man, was I confused about this. I apologize. No problem. And a lot of people are skeptical uh, about the um, you know the movement of the embassy. I know that there's plenty of reason to celebrate, and we were really happy with the announcement by the president, but already Rex Tillerson is warning us again, like the president did in his speech, about how long this could take. And we're just assuming, you know, <laughs> those of us who, who pride ourselves on being pessimistic, uh, we're just assuming that at some point there's going to be something that causes an even greater delay and gets postponed long enough for changes to be made in policy. Should we be concerned? Well, what Tillerson said, the Secretary of State Tillerson said, essentially was that it was three years away. Others have talked about two years. I think even three years is, is probably a minimal uh, assessment because of what's entailed to, to uh, they have various locations that they own, but I think that they're looking at new locations. And until you draw plans and you are able to really build a, a functional uh, facility, which means even if you, you keep the embassy, the current building in Tel Aviv, for visas and other things, you, you still are talking about moving uh, a large number of people and having a facility that will have the various um, consular and other functions. So I, I'm not particularly troubled about whether it's uh, two years or two and a half years or three years or four years. What I think is important is that we see that, it, that they start to to move. And, and he, he, include, he did say, even the Secretary of State, uh, I mean, um, that they have to do a lot of planning find a secure site. After, uh, there are a lot of considerations. Well, I also thought, when, by it, the way, when, it, when, it, when, it, when it gets postponed indefinitely, will you call me and let me down easy? Uh, <laughs> I think well, I've thought myself down easy. <laughs> That's the case, too. But, um, you know, nothing got destabilized by it. And in fact, if you saw India, China, and Russia did not say, did not speak about East Jerusalem as a Palestinian capital. Right. And uh, I think that uh, Nikki Haley's comments about not having countries teach us what's right and wrong should be read by that speech, should be read by everyone. Yeah, 100%. That was very powerful. She has a way with words, and she has a way of delivering them with tremendous force, even if they sound soft-spoken. Really, really, really great job. And yeah, Russia, which had made a big deal about the West Jerusalem, you know, being about West Jerusalem being the capital of Israel, certainly could have, you know, doubled down on that and declared uh, East Jerusalem for the PA. So there's no question that the fact that they hesitated to do so is significant. Uh, it, I didn't realize that these large rallies against the Prime Minister of Israel are taking place on a regular basis. All because of the investigations, because of the corruption inquiries? Well, it obviously has a, a broader political uh, agenda here, but they they are rallying, and there have been rallies, uh, several in, in Tel Aviv. I think the second or third really big one with many thousands of people uh, coming. Um, but, you know, the... the political parties, others, people who, who want to bring them down, want to, there have been calls for elections uh, because of the various trials and, and uh, charges that have been made, uh, but also from those who, who consider themselves uh, candidates uh, to, to succeed him. Um, but yes, there have been many demonstrations. Yeah, it's a, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, how many more times can they call them in for inquiries and all this? Like, it to, seems it's endless. Uh, that the way the process, uh, the, the charges <laughs> don't seem so serious. Unless I'm totally, you know, I'm not immersed in the topic enough. But it, I don't know. They don't seem that serious. It would take so long. But who knows? Listen, charges of any kind against the prime minister are serious, and, and governments tend to be impacted, you know, and when their they are diverted because of it, you know, to, to focus on and pay attention to it, uh, it, it, you know, it, it takes a toll, and, and you've had a lot of people, a lot of hearings, a lot of things going on, but you're right, nothing so far, There's there is no uh, indictment, and the prime minister uh, has not been specifically charged, nor, nor his wife, for that matter. So people are already moving a step ahead of that. Yeah. You know, this holiday focuses a lot on Hanukkah Tabayit for obvious reasons. There are a lot of people who would love to participate in the Hanukkah Tabayit of the brand-new embassy in Jerusalem. I tell you that much. Even better would be the Ben Amikdash if they could, but uh, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll accept that as the first step. There are people in this. <laughs> there are people in this audience who would say we'll start with the embassy and then go to the Beis Hamikdash, and there are others who would say let's start with the Beis Hamikdash so we can worry about the uh, about the embassy. But they don't have to compete. I, I saw some very funny uh, depictions of the of putting the embassy on the Harabayit, and, <laughs> and, and another that had Trump. Tower on Al-Aqsa. You know, people people were frustrated 50 years ago. They didn't build a shul immediately in some area of Harabayat. I wonder if the, the better move would have been to build an embassy up there, a political building instead of a religious building. Interesting to consider, huh? <laughs> I, right. <laughs> I don't think it would have flown for way, any I, One other thing, when we talked about the frustrations, there was a poll that showed that 70% of Palestinians want Abbas to resign. And 75% said the Arab world is too occupied with its own concerns, and Palestinians are no longer a primary concern. And uh, they see, a uh, vast majority see already a, a Sunni alliance, Arab alliance with Israel. And, um, and that uh, about two-thirds of the people in the, the West Bank say that uh, you can't criticize the PA without fear, and talked about the corruption. Uh, that's almost about 80%. People should look at those numbers too. When when we see our one understand why he's trying to do things that can rally the masses and incite them and excite them, and this time it didn't happen. Yeah, excellent point. All right, wishing you a Shabbat Hanukkah Sameach, and uh, we should uh, in fact be privileged to be at the uh, dedication and rededication of all the important buildings in our history. Those that'll hopefully be up very very soon again. And people again make your voices heard. Speak out. Um, watch the situation in Argentina. It's a very important development in terms of the trials and, and uncovering what really happened and Iran's role in it. And God willing, we will see much more progress in that. You know, it took a lot of lives and uh, the corruption and the, the level of uh, collusion, I think, will become more and more clear. So a lot of interesting things happening in the world right now, and we should follow it and and. Again, make your voices heard. And during the recess, meet members of Congress. They're coming home. Remind them about uh, some of the cases, Rubashkin and uh, the MIAs, and the um, and it's still we still have not finalized the uh, the case of Jonathan Pollard. And uh, you know, 
make your voices heard, remind members of Congress of the very important issues that we face. Call like a vote, Malcolm. Maybe the most important minute of this entire uh, weekly update. I thank you for that. Shabbat Hanukkah Sameach. Thank you so much. Uh, there he is, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Friday morning, 740 Eastern Time here at JM in the AM.